Um, well, I'll start off. Okay, let me hold on a second. By the way, Jeff, there's no royalties for your, your being on uh, YouTube. Oh, let man. me introduce yeah. you for a few seconds. I have known Jeff for many years. It's a privilege to be able to do spots, a service at this meeting. And Jeff has taught me the importance of doing service in order to keep uh, his absence. And he has, well, we can spend five minutes talking about the service he has done. So I think you'll all appreciate his qualification. All right, Jeff. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate that, the kind words. Um, well, I'll give you my qualification. I'm Jeff, a compulsive overeater and a food addict. I've been in OA for 30 years um, as of last December. And um, I'm a relapse survivor. Um, never got kicked off the island though. Uh, I've stayed in, at OA. And, uh, but my current abstinence is um, a little over seven years and I'm down maintaining a 95 pound weight loss. So those are my basic statistics. Um, and I'll tell you briefly what I was like before program. Um, I was a little food addict. I grew up as a little food addict. I didn't know I was a little food addict, but I was. I can remember at eight years old, eating more slices, more scoops than probably my father and my siblings combined. Uh, I am a binge eater. Um, and um, I used to get into these fights with my mother who was a good cook and who liked to cook healthy foods. And I pretty much just wanted peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And uh, that was you know, very frustrating for her. Um, I don't get into any discussion as to whether I was born this way or whether I became a food addict just through my overeating and binging. Uh, it doesn't matter, I am a food addict. Um, and uh, briefly, um, this relates to the spiritual part of the program. Uh, I was brought up um, by two non-religious Jewish parents who forced me to go to Hebrew school three times a week um, against my will. And, uh, and they didn't, we didn't really talk about God. Uh, there was nothing at all about God in my house. My parents were culturally Jewish. They were not spiritually Jewish. Um, the only time they may have mentioned God is if by accident I heard them, my mother may make the word, say the word or the phrase, oh God. But I don't think when I passed their bedroom and she was saying that, I don't think it was related to praying. I really kind of doubt it. Uh, and so I was raised by two non-religious parents and um, pretty much was agnostic until I came into the program. Um, started going on strange diets when I was in my uh, teens. Um, these are all diets that I created myself. Um, I say they're strange because they were diets of foods that I thought would cause me to lose a lot of weight quickly. Uh, and it started when I was a teenager, mainly because I wanted to attract a, a, a woman or a girl, I should say at that point. And um, so I would go on diets, I would eat like a hot dog a meal a diet for 30 days, lose about 25 pounds, be in good shape. Uh, and that was followed by, let's say, a yogurt a day diet for 30 days. And that's all I would have is like one yogurt every meal uh, for 30 days. 
but it didn't make any sense anyway, because I was too shy to even introduce myself to any girls, even, even in high, you know, late high school. Um, so my initial reason for dieting was to try and meet a woman. Uh, when I got into college, I did the same thing. Um, I would lose a lot of weight. And then of course, since I'm a compulsive overeater, I'd gain it back very quickly. Um, and um, it made no sense, but I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know I was a food addict. I didn't know I was a compulsive overeater uh, until I came into the program. I came into the program, um, well, I first came into a program for codependency issues when I got divorced in 1990. And, um, you know, you go into one meeting and you find out about other meetings. I kind of sensed I had an eating problem, uh, eating disorder. Um, and so I, I started to see that the churches I was going to had OA meetings. And I started going to OA meetings in late 1990. And I was kind of at a bottom at that point. Uh, I had just gotten divorced. My finances were in really bad shape. Um, I, you know, I'm a compulsive over-worrier and a compulsive overthinker, And so I was worrying about money. I was worrying about relationships and, um, and never had any peace of mind. What I actually had was, was pieces of cake because when I was in that state of mind where I'm worrying and I'm frustrated and uh, stuff is happening, uh, I was trained from a very early age to quell those feelings by eating and not broccoli. I was not eating a lot of broccoli. I, was, I am a uh, sugar refined flour addict. Also anything that's salty crunchy that has fat in it, I will binge on that and I'm a binge eater. So during that period of my life, uh, after I'd gotten divorced and had relationship issues, um, I was binging on those foods every day. And uh, I would eat to the point of feeling sick. I would eat so much of this junk food that I would feel sick. Um, and uh, I'm not a bulimic, but there were occasions where I had to force myself to throw up so I'd feel better. Um, so when I came into 12-step programs, not only for codependency issues, but for compulsive eating, my life was definitely unmanageable. No question about it in so many areas, not just the eating, but also in my finances, in my love life, and just how I thought. My thinking was really askewed. Um, I was the kind of person that um, I would think I could solve all my problems through my own analytical abilities. Um, by training, I'm a lawyer. And, you know, I was used to analyzing situations and figuring out the answer to everything and, and looked at facts. It did not help me with um, the compulsive eating, the compulsive worrying. Um, and so I came in to the program relying on my thinking power you know, my reasoning ability. And that got me nowhere. That just made my life un unmanageable. Uh, I was an agnostic. Um, after about six months in program, that started to change because I was going to meetings where they read the chapter to the agnostic in the big book. Um, and, um, and so I started to lose that God of reason, 
which I had worshiped my whole life. My higher power up to that point, uh, before I came in program, was named Jeff. I was the higher power, um, and I relied on that. It's a real burden to, to have to figure out everything myself, to analyze everything myself. Came into program, uh, as I said before, I was binging all the time. Uh, I was in my late 30s when I came in. I'm 67 now. And um, it was a really bad cycle. Uh, you know, that mental obsession that the big book talks about was clearly in play. Uh, I would try and diet and then I'd get that craving for my binge foods. I'd eat and I'd binge. I'd feel remorseful and then I would do it again. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, when I was um, just before I came in the program, I was living down the street. It was really a half a block away from a 7-Eleven, a pizza place, and a Chinese restaurant. It was like a food addict's heaven, or I should say strip mall. Um, I came in um, and when I started going to meetings, I did become spiritually curious. Um, you know, and that's the great aspect of 12-step programs. Um, you know, you can have whatever view of a higher power or God that you want. Uh, I started off agnostic and then slowly over time, I did develop a feeling and a sense of a higher power. Um, you know, the big book talks about having us, you know, different types of, of spiritual awakenings. Mine was the, um, was really not the sudden spiritual transformation that, you know, people in the big book had, like Bill Wilson uh, or some of these other folks. Mine was the slow educational variety. And so um, that started to happen um, as I stayed in program. And um, I did get a degree of God consciousness at some point. Um, it, it wasn't, wasn't anything spectacular um, and became abstinent. I was in the program about a year and I was abstinent, cleanly abstinent uh, within, a, I would say within a few months, I learned about food addiction. I gave up all my addictive foods and food ingredients and I was not binging anymore. Just going to meetings. Um, and so in the first year and a half, two years in program, I lost about 80 pounds. That's 10 minutes, Jeff. Thank you. Um, lost about 80 pounds. And uh, the physical part of the disease was in check. However, just going to meetings, you know, we have a saying, meeting makers make it. I never made it because that was the only thing I was doing. I was going to meetings. I wasn't working the steps those first few years. So as is the case with a lot of people, when you're not working the steps, I started to get that mental obsession. You know, in life, great philosopher said, shit happens and shit started to happen in my life. And I was not using the program to cope with stuff. And so what happened? Well, I started to get food thoughts. Uh, I could not fight the food thoughts and, um, went into a really bad relapse. I was in relapse for at least a couple of years. 
Uh, I had not been working the steps thoroughly. I didn't have a sponsor. Uh, I wasn't sponsoring anybody during that time. And my relapse went off and on for a number of years. But as I said before, I kept coming back. I never stopped coming to meetings. Um, and um, eventually I started to attend big book meetings and big book weekends. And um, strangely enough, there was a different message that I got um, from people I listened to. And that's the thing, you know, people who are struggling in program like I was uh, relapsing, um, the answer is really just to see what successful people in program are doing. And so I started, I don't know why I didn't think of this, but I started to like ask people questions who had been in, who had been abstinent for years. Like, what are you doing on a daily basis to stay abstinent? And I don't know why I didn't think of that. Mostly the solution was working the steps. It's pretty simple, uh, but there's a little more to that. Um, it had a lot to do with um, doing the steps every day. Like I, I had been through big book weekends. I had worked through uh, the steps in, in men's groups. And, um, and this might be in poor taste to say this, but I thought after I would do a step book group that I would be inoculated, that I would stay abstinent. But I didn't realize that this is a program that requires daily work. It really, for me, that was a realization that I had to work the steps every day. Now, what does that mean? Well, for someone who's gone through the 12 steps um, several times, what it meant for me was to work the maintenance steps. And so about seven and a half years ago, I had that realization and I started to work the maintenance steps every day. And you know what? I was granted the miracle of abstinence. Um, and, you know, I, I have been doing that ever since. Every day I work the maintenance steps. I realize that if I don't do those maintenance steps, 10, 11, and 12 every day, I will probably start to get food thoughts. If I ever get food thoughts and those thoughts become fixed, I'm sunk. And what that means is those food thoughts will lead me to pick up. And so um, I try and work um, 10, 11, 12 every day. In the mornings, I do a daily inventory. I use the um, Region 7 journal. Um, if that has a really um, a good page to do the um, questions that, you know, they kind of align with the big book questions about whether during the previous day I was selfish or resentful or dishonest or jealous or irritable, restless or discontent. Um, and I write down if I owe somebody an apology, I write down uh, what I could have done better. What did I do well during the day? I even do the little prayer that they have, and, um, and I do it every day. Now I'm retired, 
So uh, I have time to spend whatever amount of time I want on that. Um, and I do it though, because for me, it is it has been an important factor in my staying abstinent. Um, so in addition to the daily inventory, um, one other thing that's helped me is to pray and meditate. As I said before, I came in an agnostic. So this notion of prayer and meditation was foreign to me. Um, and uh, it took me years to not only have the willingness to do it, but to get something out of it. And so every day I have a group of big book prayers that I read, generally the third step prayer, the seventh step prayer, the ninth step prayer, the 11th step prayer. And I, I try and spend time reading them. Um, it's kind of supposed to be a stairway or a communion with God. Um, I have the kind of mind that doesn't stay quiet real long. So I have trouble when it comes to meditation to actually focusing on something other than, you know, passing thoughts. But I do work at it and I try and do that every day. The prayers, when I do read these prayers every day, I try and read them uh, slowly. I try and read them uh, for their meaning, their purpose. Uh, and when I do that, it really helps me a lot. I have to say that helps me quite a bit. Um, the other thing I'll mention is, and, and I think this was an, has been a really important part of my staying abstinent. And I never did this before, but I've been doing service and sponsoring um, for a number of years now. Um, and it corresponds with when I became abstinent. I don't think it's any surprise or, you know, big deal that, you know, that doing service, sponsoring people and, um, and doing the rest of the maintenance steps is what has kept me abstinent, what keeps us all abstinent. Um, what kind of service do I do? Well, I'm a intergroup chair uh, for South Jersey, South Jersey intergroup. Um, I have, of course, led meetings over the years. Uh, I'm also the Region 7 outreach chair. Uh, and more importantly, I sponsor. Um, I, I really can't, I, I have to stress that that has been a major factor in my staying abstinent, sponsoring other people. You know, I'm a compulsive overthinker and analyzer. I want to figure out exactly why that has worked. That's two minutes left. Almost done. Thank you. Uh, and I can't. And I'm not even going to try and figure it out. It just works when I do that service and I do the other steps. Um, I do a lot of outreach. And I, I really do believe the, uh, the big book slogan, which is you got to, in order to keep it, you have to give it away. Uh, and so I, I, I make sure that I, I am available for service, uh, even speaking here. Um, so that's about it. But thank you for uh, asking me to share. It's an honor to be at a men's meeting like this. And um, that's about it. Thank you, guys. Okay.